We're in this series that uh, we've been preaching on, uh, Hope is Born. And I'm, uh, I'm excited about this process of, of talking about these things. But, you know, sometimes I think that uh, we think about hope in ways that can, can be a bit misleading. I mean, even our theme that says hope is born can almost give us the idea that hope is something that is kind of a once and done kind of thing. I have hope and I'm done. But I don't think life and faith would really support that idea. I think that the reality is much more that hope is is more of a a cyclical process that journeys that that we continue to develop and continue to journey in this idea of hope that is continually being renewed within us. In the Christmas season, we often talk about the hope and expectation of Mary and many others. But but Mary's story is big in this idea. But did you know that Mary's story is much bigger than just a couple chapters in the Gospel of Luke? Today, I'd like us to reflect on the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and think about the journey of hope. That journey of hope in her own life. We're going to read a lot of passages of Scripture today, and I've got a helper. Ben Shook is going to come. He's, uh, we're partnering in this sermon process, and so Ben's going to come and he's going to read uh, the first of about eight passages of Scripture that we're going to run through. So if you have your Bibles, you'll want to get them. I think they'll show up on the screen, too. But uh, the first one is uh, simply in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33 is the passage. But Luke, read number one there. I mean, Ben, I'm sorry. Luke is the chapter, the book. <laughs> Named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom his kingdom will never end. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. He's going to be back and forth a lot, so we'll get there. But uh, what I want you to hear in that story is, is the story of Gabriel showing up to Mary, this young, this young gal, and, and saying, you are highly favored. You are the one that there is going to be born to you a savior. Now, I don't know what that would do for you in your life. I mean, there's a very big portion of this in which we would look back on Mary and we'd say, oh, my goodness, if I was Mary, I would be absolutely terrified and petrified in that process. 
But there's also a sense in which Mary was a product of her environment. She knew the history. She probably knew all the prophecies of, of Isaiah. You know, the prophecies of Isaiah, that there would be a child born to a virgin, that the government would be on his shoulders, that he would be the healing and the savior of the world. And, and suddenly we have this Mary and, and she's sitting there going, oh, I'm terrified, but, but I remember something promised from long ago. And there is a hope that's being born in the life of Mary that says, maybe, what about this? What could this mean? What could this be like? And out of that, we have this wonderful story. Ben, come on up. We're going to read number two. We have this wonderful story of, of Mary's declaration about how she feels about this experience from Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 55. It is the song of Mary. Number two. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their most, in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped Helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Amen. Good. You hear Mary's voice. Mary is talking and proclaiming this sense to say, there's something going on here which is huge. And I'm going to be remembered for this. I'm going to be the mother of Jesus. And what's going on here? She has not just a sense of what's happening in her own life, but she has this understanding that she is a part of something bigger. It's not just about me and my family. It's, it's about me and the nation of Israel. And it's beyond the nation of Israel. It's all people that are going to be blessed by this child that's going to be born through me. She's pretty excited about that. You know the story. She goes on and and David or Joseph takes her into the city of David and the child is born there and an amazing thing happens. And we'll read more of those stories uh, next week, Christmas Eve. And and, you know, we understand that. And the and the angels came and revealed themselves to the shepherds and said, as we did last week, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, goodwill to men. And, and we know all that kind of stuff. And and we go through the birth and and we do all that. And then. We kind of pick up back with the story of Mary and Joseph when they take Jesus to the temple to fulfill what the law required on the eighth day of circumcised. And so we find ourselves with with this Mary who's crazy. Remember when remember when the shepherds came and they told Mary all this stuff? You know what her words were? But Mary treasured up all these things. What could this possibly mean? Well, it happens again when they go to the temple. And in the temple, they meet the prophet Simeon and the prophet Mary or the prophet Anna. So come and we're going to read number three. This is the words of the prophet Simeon about Mary and the baby Jesus. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, The child will, the child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So here's Mary and Joseph. They're, they're in the temple, and they're hearing these words. Suddenly, this moment of ex, excitement that they're taking this baby and they're fulfilling the law, and they say, we've just heard this. the shepherds all tell me what, what's going on here. I'm all excited about this stuff. And suddenly, I'm in the temple, and there's this prophet guy coming, and he's excited. He's saying, oh, God, you know, you can release your servant now, for I have seen the salvation of your people. And then he begins to talk these words and he talks words about this baby is going to be the cause of the rising and the falling of many people. And then he says these words to Mary. He said, and a sword will pierce your own heart. Hmm. I suppose if I were a person that was all excited, that would not be exactly the words I'd want to hear. You know, when you bring your baby to be dedicated That's not what you want to hear your pastor say, right? Oh, Lord, bless this baby. He's going to cause you a lot of pain. (laughs) No, that's not what we want to hear. Suddenly, I mean, it may be the reality, but I mean, suddenly we, we, you know, it it, it changes this tone just a little bit. It's gone from this moment of I'm going to be the mother of the savior of the world to suddenly. Wait a second. Uh. We're talking about stumbling and falling. We're talking about sword piercing. We're talking about pain and sorrow here. What, what's the story with that? I wonder what was going on with that little word. I wonder if that dividing and piercing was a, was a comment to Mary. And, and we'll see some of the passages to come that, that Mary, maybe Mary didn't quite understand what all was going on. Maybe it was the affirmation of of Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, that that says that the word of God is sharp and pierces bone and marrow and able to divide. And, And what do we understand Jesus to be called? He was the word. It's the word that comes and divides. Maybe it was just a proclamation that Mary be prepared There's sorrow and pain and suffering to come. They journey on and the years progress. And and just imagine how Mary is feeling at all these points. Think about the emotions that go with this idea of hope is born. The emotions of I'm a young lady and you're telling me I'm going to be pregnant. I'm a young lady and I'm going to be the fulfillment of prophecies that are 700 years old. I'm a young lady and I'm now the mother of this beautiful child and and shepherds are coming and they're saying amazing things about my child. I'm a young lady and I'm sitting listening to a prophet speak of pain. I'm a mother of this child and I have strange magi coming and proclaiming and putting gifts before us. Amazing gifts. The years pass by. Now Mary is coming with her 12-year-old son to the temple. 
And we read these verses. Number five, Ben. Read these verses in Luke chapter 2, verses 48 through 51. When they saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had been to, I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. One more time, the words treasured these things in her heart. But what did she treasure? They'd been to the temple, annual pilgrimage. They go there. They do what they do. They celebrate. They travel to go. And while they're traveling, assuming that baby, or baby Jesus, that Jesus is with the caravan, they find out he's not. They rush back. They search for him. They can't find him. They finally find him in the temple. Parents, have you ever had this experience? Have you been out shopping? And you turn around, where am I, where's my kid? <laughs> How could you do this to us? Have you ever wanted to say that to your kids? How did you feel? <laughs> How could you do this to us? And then have your kids say back to you, well, didn't you know? That's what I had to be doing. I wonder how Mary felt at that moment about the hope within her. And Jesus went back with them. They followed on. So he's 12. The years progress and he develops. It says that he grew in stature with men and with the people, God and men and people. Now he's 30. He's a man. Things have happened in life. Joseph is no longer in the picture. And there's a wedding going on. A wedding feast. And a wedding feast that has run out of grape juice. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> For all of us good Nazarenes, I don't think it was grape juice. It was just good wine. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> And there's a problem. But Mary knows there's an answer. So we read this. Come on, Ben. Number six. In John chapter one or chapter two, verses one through five. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do, you, why, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. So, here we have just a little different kind of interaction. This is... This is uh, Jesus at this wedding feast, the mother trying to fix things and says, they've, they've run out of wine. We can't have this happen. That's an embarrassment. 
Jesus, you can make it better. Somehow there was already this sense that there was a power about Jesus. How do you think she felt about that? She knew something. She saw something in her son. There was hope. There was this sense of he can do this. And then have this conversation with Jesus. And have him say, woman, not even mother, woman, my time has not yet come. Now, parents, have you ever had enough hope and faith and belief in your children that you said, you're ready? I'm not quite certain why she said what she said. I don't know whether she said it about a great belief in him or just, I'm desperate, I need help. But she says to him these simple words, just do whatever he says. And Jesus was the kind of son who did what mama asked and pulled it off. Now, just think, now, a few more years have passed by. This Jesus in whom she has placed so much faith and hope. This Jesus has had become a, quite a person with great notoriety. People are gathering around him and, and he's go off doing stuff that sometimes I think his family did not understand. Now, just keep remembering the emotional state of Mary. My son's out here doing stuff and I don't get it. I need to go talk to Mary or talk to Jesus. And Mary and his family try to get in to see him. And they have a little problem. That's our next one. Number seven. Come on up in. Matthew chapter 12 verses 46 through 50. Is this account of Mary trying to get in to see her son? While Jesus was, was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside, wanting, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to speak to you. He, repli- he replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing at Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Hmm. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Suddenly, this one in whom you invested so much, this one in whom you've had so much help, is saying to publicly to everybody around you, This is not my mother and brothers, but these who believe me, they're my mother and my brothers. Hope is an interesting journey, isn't it? It's filled with unusual circumstances. I wonder how she might have felt at those words. You know the story. You know how it progresses. You you remember that that Jesus is 
walking in this trail that within just a, a very short little while, rather than Christmas, we're talking Easter. <laughs> and Jesus is arrested. He's tried. He's beaten. His life is all shredded before them. And to this we find Mary following along behind him. Could you imagine hope now? All that I've gone through, this whole story of the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and the prophet Simeon. Of unusual words for my son, of, of amazing confidence in my son, the savior of the world. Now this one in whom we have placed all our hope, we find him nailed to a cross. And we hear these wonderfully tender words of Jesus as he speaks to John. And says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And the hope of this one who says, everything I had dreamed for and hoped for and longed about is dying on that cross. Hope is not a moment, it's a journey. Jesus is dead. He's been buried. But there are some unusual words that we've just heard. Mary Magdalene has been to the tomb. And the tomb is empty. And there's an angel there. One more time, another angel. <laughs> saying, didn't you know this was going to happen? Why so discouraged? Why so down in the mouth? He told you he needed to die. He also told you that he would live again. He's not dead. He's alive. And in this moment, this little inkling, this little moment of hope. You mean my son who I saw crucified might actually be alive? Could it be true? It could be. Journey on a few days. The story just gets better. Journey on and, 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 and we walk through this story and, and what do we find? We find another account of Mary and it's Mary and the disciples. And, and what are they doing? Jesus has been resurrected. He'd walked among them for, for days and days and days. He, he had already ascended to heaven and, and suddenly we find this. Unusual account in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Come, read number 8. 
They all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So suddenly, you have these people gathering together. They're gathered together in prayer because Jesus has said to them, gather, wait, because there's a day coming that's going to change your life and change your experience. It's the promised Holy Spirit. And he said to them, if I don't go away, this can't happen. So wait. And who's together? It's his disciples. It's the women. It's Mary, the mother of Jesus. All gathered together, praying and waiting for that promised day. And not too many days from there, something else happened. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, we hear these words. Then come. Number 8. Or number 9, excuse me. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Something has happened. Something has happened in the life of Mary and the experience of hope that she had. You see, I think at the beginning, Mary had this sense to say, you know, hail favored one. I'm the mother of Jesus. I'm the mother of the Savior of the world. And we walked through this journey, 33, 4 years of this journey. A journey of joy, of expectation, a journey of history, a journey of interesting conversations and interactions, a journey of watching Jesus do amazing things, a journey that took us through the suffering and death of Jesus, a journey that brought us hope again in the resurrection. But suddenly we find in this Pentecostal experience, this hope has been transformed. Transformed into something that is now, it really truly is for everyone. There is this sense of, the promise of Joel that says, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to come on all people. It's going to come on the young and it's going to come on the old. It's going to come on men and it's going to come on women. It's going to come on the slave and it's going to come on the free. This idea of hope and power and life is proclaimed in this message through the years. Well, you know my story. And I, I apologize for... I feel like sometimes I'm in the midst of... Uh, 
challenging days trying to deal with my own sorrow and my own loss and and this idea of hope and my prayer that God somehow you would restore in me hope when so much of my hope seems so dashed in the loss of my wife. But something for me in the life of Mary gives me endurance in the journey of hope. That hope is not just a moment. It's a journey that's filled with the stuff of life that's bigger than any one particular moment of excitement or joy. For I'm coming to get this idea that hope is not about a feeling. Because feeling comes and goes. In one moment we feel amazingly joyful. In the next moment we can feel amazingly sad. But hope is something that goes through all of that. That says even in the midst of difficult days... There is hope that's found in Jesus Christ. That's not about a feeling of joy or sadness. But that is about an assurance of truth in Jesus Christ. For you see, ultimately Mary knew her own idea of understanding the hope of glory. And we live in that understanding. That it is because of Jesus Christ that we have hope through all of the ups and downs of life that takes us right into glory. That's hope. That's hope. Not just a feeling. But a process lived out in truth. Amen. I had an interesting experience this morning. I was I was uh, I was in my room and I'm I'm looking out as I do. I don't know if you've ever some of you have been to my house and I have this from my bedroom window. I have these windows that look out across this kind of the Santee Valley there. And this morning, you know, the clouds were it was kind of a cloudy overcast day and the sun would kind of come up but it wasn't really shining through and I was sitting there and I was looking out across this valley and suddenly there was like this ray of sunshine that broke through the clouds and was reflecting on something really really white I, I'm going to drive and see I don't know I don't know where it's at but it was something that was reflecting on something really white clear out across this valley on the other side of the one, or the other side of the 52. And I dug around and I found where are my binoculars. <laughs> so I found my binoculars, my eyesight. I see pretty good far out. Don't see too good to close in. But, but I couldn't see that far. So I got the binoculars out. And I looked and I, I was zeroing in. Where is that beam of light going? What is it reflecting on? And do you know what it was reflecting on? A church. A church. 
fairly tall church with a very large white steeple. Kind of an old-fashioned church. Very tall, white steeple. And I sat there and I got to thinking. Hmm. You know, I, I have weird thoughts. You, you ever have any weird thoughts? You know, you see something, it takes you somewhere, it takes you somewhere, it takes you somewhere. So this is where I'm at. So, so I'm, it's, it's, you know, kind of overcast. It's dark. The valley is dark. Everything's dark. There's this beam of light shining on this very white tall steeple of this church way across there. You know, it's probably, you know, three miles out there from my house. And I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking. You know, when we were in Europe, we saw a lot of places like that. You know, your town's here and in the center of town had this very tall church. And sometimes I've thought, what a waste of money. When, when we could have been doing something better with that money, they built these huge churches and da-da-da-da-da. And I've kind of taken a cynical view of that sometimes. But as I sat there looking out across that rather darkened Santee community and seeing this beam of light on this church steeple up there, I began to think maybe there's something to this. That the church for centuries has been a place that rose above the stuff of life that, that shone in the midst of darkness and proclaimed to all, would who, all who would come, there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope that brings us up above the stuff that we deal with day in and day out. There's hope in Jesus Christ. And I looked across that and I said, oh God, thank you for being the light of hope in the midst of darkness. For being hope. In the midst of sorrow, in the midst of joy, in the midst of the stuff of life, hope. Hope. It just rests there. And we journey together in hope. Amen? Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. Life is full of stuff. But hope remains. Not an emotion of the moment. Not just in joy. Not just in sorrow. Not just in all is good and going to be well. Not just in it's so bad, it'll never be good. But a hope that endures from generation to generation. Endures in life and endures in death. Hope is born and lives within us. Lord, would you speak to us in the places that we find ourselves? 
whether in joy or sorrow, may you remind us that in Jesus Christ, there is hope. I pray in Jesus' name.